This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another World of UX podcast. This is your host, Darren Hood. Thanks, everybody, for taking the time to join us on today. And a special welcome to those of you joining us for the first time. Welcome. Uh, we are going back to Potpourri today. I'm in the process of trying to line up a few guests uh, guests to be on the show. Uh, and, and there was something that came to mind today that as I sort of pondered about what to talk about in this episode thought, you know what? We're going to need another potpourri. There was, there's been a lot of interesting activity. I've noticed some additional trends taking place in the world of UX, and I'm going to address one of them tonight. But the overall topic for this, I call it a potpourri. It's, it's not really a potpourri, the more I think about it. Uh, tonight, we want to talk to you about key tips for new UXers. It's going to come across like a potpourri, but Uh, I'm focusing, everything I'm talking about in this episode is focusing on some key tips. Now, yes, we did have a series before called So You Want to Be a UXer, where we talked about for quite a while, we talked to people who were just getting started in UX and giving them some guidance to help them along their way. And most importantly, to help qualify them, to help people understand, is UX really even for you? Because A lot of people say they want to be in UX, but they don't really understand what UX consists of. Some people actually have some misguided views, some inaccurate views about what UX is, and then they see themselves being in this thing that's really nothing more than a figment. And and that's a bit problematic. So we wanted to, in that series, give people a bird's eye view of what it's really like, a realistic view of what it's really like. To help people set proper expectations, we're we're talking about some of the same things tonight that we covered in that series. We're talking about a few things in a couple other series uh, and, and topics where we were trying to address new UXers, where we're honing in a little bit more and speaking specifically to key tips. I had a post, which is where this came from, partially. I had a post recently where I gave some really off-the-radar tips, and, and that's what I'm going to talk about tonight. A lot of people give guidance for those that are getting into UX, and they usually leave certain things out. Uh, they'll say things like, get your portfolio together. They'll say things about maybe where they can learn, things of that nature. Folks, that's not enough. Uh, and matter of fact, the portfolio thing, grossly overvalued. In UX. Matter of fact, the more mature an environment is, the more the higher level of UX maturity, the less likely it is for people to either be demanding about your portfolio or need to see it to understand who you are. The the environments that are more visually focused, the environments that that are really 
want to hire you as a, a a true product designer in that a person focuses on visuals only and they're not doing real UX work because that's not what we do. Uh, those environments, they love the pretty portfolios because that's what they want you to produce. And, and in those environments, the people that are truly skilled about UX actually get overlooked and they don't get hired. And I've seen instances where entire teams were nothing more than a bunch of visual designers who had UX titles and UX salaries when their salaries probably should have been, frankly, half of, of what they were being paid. So, and just giving it to you like it is, there's too many people that are holding back critical information and it's causing problems for the discipline. It's causing problems for the people who believe the false reports. And, and you don't know what you don't know. So when somebody tells you something that is inaccurate, as long as it lines up with what you're trying to do, in many cases, people are very likely to embrace those things. And that's simply not, it's simply not the way things are supposed to go. So uh, we want to talk to you again about some key tips for new user experience professionals. Number one, the most important thing, and you're going to notice that several of these have absolutely nothing to do with the work. The first one is passion. Now, a lot of people, and, and I'm saying this as a former hiring manager, I'm not a hiring manager today, I likely will return to that in the not too distant future. But the mindset is that when you are coming on board, when you when you are seeking your first UX role, you obviously don't have any experience, or in most cases you don't, the vast majority of cases, I should say, a person doesn't bring anything to the table from a standpoint of skill, acumen, you're not going to bring that person, sit them down and have them drive success. Some people say, I could do it. You're pipe dreaming. The, the reality is you can't. You don't know. You don't know. The, you don't have the context of the company. You don't have the context of what it is like to deal with those customers, specific customers. You simply don't know. None of us did. And it took time for us. Nobody. It takes time. To get that. So when you when you come on board as a new user experience professional, you have to bring something else to the table. When we hire, and don't believe the 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 hype, don't drink the Kool-Aid, people do hire entry-level UX people. And when you are an entry-level UX people, and I have been in a, in a part of teams that have hired entry-level people, we look for passion first. Are you truly passionate about the discipline. And a lot of people are passionate about getting a job and specifically passionate about getting the UX job, but they're not really passionate about UX. And a good hiring manager and good hiring teams are going to sniff that out. And, and so I, I interviewed someone once who they were really happy, giddy, excited about the role didn't bring anything to the table, attitudinally speaking, with regard to user experience. So we passed on that person. Nobody that we hired brought a lot of experience to the table. <laughs> so it wasn't about experience. People say, well, what can I do to stand out? Nothing. Nothing. We're not looking for you to stand out. People are looking for candidates to be qualified. They're looking to see who is the best fit for the role that we're offering. And the number one 
ingredient that any person can bring is true passion for user experience, a true passion for delivering great experiences, a true passion for meeting the needs of, of users, a, a, a true passion for, for being inquisitive, being curious, wanting to ask questions so you can get the answers, so you could find actionable data or discover actionable data to help validate design direction. It has nothing to do with how well you know how to use Figma. It has nothing to do with where you graduated from. None of those things. I know people that graduated. I teach at five universities. Yes, I did give one up. I teach at five universities. I have had students not calling anybody out, just citing a fact. I've had students that I would not hire at all because they were in the program, but they did not really have a passion for the discipline. And, and so they'll have a master's degree. They may have a bachelor's degree, but they don't have the passion. And, and right there, some people will say, yeah, I really get that, Darren. I get it. Uh, I, I buy into that. Amen to that, Darren, because I know people that have graduated from boot camps and, 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 and they do better than people. Okay, I'm not saying that. If you've listened to me at all, you know I'm not saying that because can people who go to boot camps have passion? Yes. And I have worked with people who have graduated from boot camps and I ignored the fact that they went to boot camps because it was irrelevant to me. The name of the game is what can you do in bringing value? It, it, even when somebody has a master's degree, you got to forget about that. What do they do? What do you do or are you doing to bring value? I'm not, when the work is getting done, nobody's thinking about where anybody went to school and how many initials they have behind their name. But you can best believe me when I say that when it comes to people at boot camps, I don't care about the passion, but I do care when people have a lack of a filter. Okay, so you you went to the boot camp. You didn't have a filter. Fine. I got to give you that because people don't early in their career. But one of the major problems with boot camps is that they infect people, the way I always explain it, they infect people with Dunning-Kruger. So people have more confidence than is really justifiable. And when somebody has more confidence than they really should, that is problematic and can do harm to the team. That's why I personally am not looking to engage with people from boot camps. And yes, I have worked with a lot of people from boot camps who embody that description. And, and so that is problematic. It's infectious. It can, it can be passed on to other people. That is a problem. The, the lack of willingness to, to really accept constructive criticism that's not something that the average boot camp grad specializes in. And some people are really going to hate this, but you know what? You can hate this all you want. It's true. And, and, and it's going to rear its ugly head when you least expect it. So it's better to just embrace it, realize it as much as it might hurt. You're going to have to embrace it because if you don't, then it's, it's going to sneak up on you. If you're aware of it, then at least you can navigate around it and maybe even help somebody who's in that position, and I do help people who have gone to boot camps. I call it triaging. We have to triage people who went to boot camps because they hurt everybody, no matter what their passion level is, no matter how sincere they are, no matter how much they might truly love the discipline, everybody who goes to boot camps needs triage because boot camps are infecting people with things that they don't should not have in their repertoire. 
So anyway, back to the main point. Just have to get that out. <laughs> passion. I'm looking for somebody with passion when I'm hiring a new UX, UX person. A company that is hiring any degree in a right manner, and, and there, there, yes, there are varied levels of hiring people properly. Passion is the thing that I hear people sound off about the most and is the thing that can easily be the 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 best thing that somebody can can bring to the table because when somebody's passionate but they don't know and then they want to learn, which is another one of my uh, things I have on the list here, the willingness to learn. When somebody has a passion coupled with the willingness to learn, you can guide that person in the direction that they need in order to build themselves. And that person is going to be more valuable in the long run than somebody that doesn't have these things. Matter of fact, a lot of the other people, they're going to be gone pretty fast um, because they they were just coming for a check anyway. So <laughs> one of the overlaps, to make sure I don't miss it, uh, really number two on my list was a genuine love for the discipline. So when you have a passion, so I'll double back. When you have a passion for UX, a true passion, uh, love to discipline for the discipline. Somebody might say that's the same thing. No, it's different. One has to do with the energy. One has to do with uh, that love for the discipline has to do with how much you immerse yourself, how much you invest yourself in the discipline, uh, how unmovable you are, because you're going to run into obstacles when you want to be a UX professional. It's, it's a matter of time before you run into different types of obstacles. And it is a combination of your passion plus a love for the discipline that enables a person to weather that kind of storm and go forward. So you need a passion. You need a love for the discipline. If you don't have passion, if you don't have a love for the discipline and you don't have a willingness to learn, those people don't get anywhere. And, and, and asterisk, those people get jobs. Why? Because a lot of companies don't know how to hire and so I told you about the person who was really bubbly and all happy-go-lucky and everything. That person will get a job somewhere. That person did get a job somewhere. And, and when they get hired, somebody's going to fall in love with their personality, and their personality has nothing to do with the work. And, and people don't know that. They don't understand that. They're not gauging that. A lot of people don't know how to hire, and that's why a lot of people get jobs. People, A lot of people don't get jobs because they're qualified, they don't get jobs because of the potential value they'll bring. They get they get a job because even a blind squirrel can find a nut, basically speaking. And I know that's somewhat cliche, but it's actually true as well. So make sure you have a passion if you want to excel. You want to lay a good foundation for yourself in user experience. Have passion for the discipline. Love the discipline genuinely. Don't just come because you heard about the salaries. Don't come into UX because you heard it was easy and that anybody could do it. Anybody can't do it. And that's being proven all the time. But you got to have a passion. You got to have a love for the discipline and you have to be willing to learn. And part of the reason for the last one is, number four, when you get into UX, you have to have a commitment to lifelong learning. You are going to be learning for the rest of your career. You never arrive. It never ends. And so that energy that comes out of the passion and out of the love for the discipline and out of the willingness to learn, it has to be maintained because there are always things to learn. There are always books to read and reread, and those things help to drive you forward. I have come across a lot of professing UX uh, uh, um, professionals. That sounded funny. Wasn't going to say it, but eh, 
is out there. I'll say it. So professing UXers, that, that sounds better. Take two. <laughs> so uh, when someone is a, I've come across a lot of professing UXers that lack some of these, and, and especially the last one, they don't have a commitment to lifelong learning. Matter of fact, I know people who don't learn at all. They have absolute, I've seen people in my career, they have absolutely no passion. They do not love the discipline. It is a paycheck. If you need a paycheck, go ahead and get your paycheck. We're not saying that you don't deserve to have a paycheck. Everybody has a right to do that. So we're not saying that. We're talking to people who want to thrive. We're talking about people who want to excel. And by the way, the people who don't have the passion, don't have the love, don't have the, the willingness to learn, don't have a commitment to lifelong learning can be some of the absolute worst people to work with. They will make the environment toxic. And that's what I have experienced. That's what I've seen. That's what I hear people talking about. If you want to excel, make sure you're ready to learn. Make sure you're willing to bend over backwards to learn. Make sure that you don't become weary in your learning. Don't give up. If there's any ever anything that you seem to struggle with, don't get frustrated. Whether that's norm, continue to press forward and continue to learn. Those are what I consider to be the foundational elements. And notice, none of those four things had anything to do with the actual work. But that's what makes the best UX professionals. The people who've been around for a long time, talk to them when you get an opportunity. And you'll find that those four things, not only were they a part of their original makeup, they're still a part of those people's original makeup. And so that's something that not only will it help you as you're getting started, but it will fuel you throughout the course of your career. So you want to embrace those things. Next, as we get into the second half of this list, but there are some sub items here with these, you want to under at least understand, I mentioned that you don't have a filter when you're first starting out in UX, but you at least need to reach a point where you understand the need to develop a filter. Remember, I'm only talking about key tips for new UXers today. You have to understand the need for it. Nobody has a filter when we started. And, and when I was getting started, there was no misinformation in, in this circle. There were in, in experience design. There was no misinformation. When you saw a book, you saw an article, you went to different websites and you would we would learn and you could spend hours and it would always vault you forward with no risk of being thrown for a loss, so to speak, no risk of of getting tied up in cognitive quicksand. We didn't we didn't have to deal with that. It simply didn't happen. So we were pretty fortunate because today it is everywhere. And people ask me all the time, Darren, you say that we need a filter, but how am I supposed to have a filter at this stage of my career? That is a fair question. We totally get it. We totally understand it. Uh, you have every right to feel that way, and you are accurate. You are 1 billion percent accurate. I'm going to show you how, even in the midst of not having a filter, you might not have a filter in and of yourself, but anybody can go to the store and get a strainer. Anybody know what a strainer <laughs> actually is? Let me show you some things you can do. There was a person, going to give you some actual examples. There was a person that I saw recently. This person had zero experience as a user experience professional. They had never worked as a user experience professional. None of their jobs required 
any UX acumen, none of their titles were UX-related titles, but this person decided they took upon themselves because they were trying to build a following. They decided to dip their toe in the pool of user experience and, and started trying to give tips about the discipline where I've got, this is my 28th year, and I've got, I've got 28 years, and here's somebody with none, and they're giving tips, and people are jumping all over these tips. That people are liking it left and right. More people like what they have to offer than people such as myself who have a ton of experience. Now, knowing what you know and hearing me say this, does that make any sense? No, it doesn't. But here's what you need to do. As a new UXer, you might not have a filter, but you know more than you think you know. And a lot of times you can just, it can be simply a matter of, is this really accurate? And then go and dig into it. You might not know offhand, you know, I can spot it in a moment. You might not be able to spot it in a moment, but that doesn't stop you from going and looking at a person's LinkedIn profile. And when you see that when a person offers a bunch of tips and then you see that the person has no experience in user experience, you didn't, you didn't have to have, have five years of experience to pick up on the fact that this person has no business sharing tips about UX. And a lot of people today, they're scared to feel that way because they feel like they're being judgy. That, being judgy, that whole mindset, which is now starting to make its, its way into TV shows and commercials and all kinds of movies, and it's ridiculous. We're all judgy. We all judge. You have to judge. If not, I dare you to, to go out of your house and not judge and watch and see how terrible you look. We, you stop at a red light because you judged that you're supposed to stop. You looked at a person who, who had spinach in their teeth and you realized that something was out of place. All of these things are judgment related. We all judge. We just have to be good at it. And, and you are not outside of, of your authority to look at a person's LinkedIn profile, see that they have little to no experience, and go, you know what? Not only am I not going to listen to this person, even if something that they're saying might be accurate, not only am I not going to waste my time with that, there are other resources that I don't have to take any risks with. Because you listen to that person that has no experience one day, and then one day, and actually in that the post that I saw, they were saying things that were not accurate. But there's a day that they're going to say something that's going to set you back or they're going to say something that you're going to take to work and try to implement and it's going to get you in trouble with your stakeholders, with your boss, with your teams. Would you take advice about cooking from somebody that doesn't know what they're talking about? Would you take investment advice from somebody that doesn't know what they're talking about and doesn't have any experience? Would you buy a car from somebody that you've known to be completely irresponsible their entire life. And they have no experience. They have never taken care of any of their vehicles as long as you've known them. Those are times where we're judging and we're judging in our best interest that you're not going to listen to these people because what they're offering you is not trustworthy. And when somebody is doing something or does not have a sense of trustworthiness built into and standing behind what they're offering, don't embrace it. So you have more of a filter than you think, but people just don't, they just don't, for whatever reason, 
They don't lean on it. I am not listening to anybody who talks to me about a subject that they're not an expert in, that they don't practice. They don't have firsthand knowledge. Why would I listen to them? Would you allow a child to give you financial advice? Would you allow a child to guide you when you're trying to buy a house? They don't have a point of reference. They don't know anything. Their brain isn't even developed to to make decisions yet. It hasn't even matured yet. To make decisions, why would you get, why would you, don't say out of the mouth of babes, don't give me that. I know people talk like that. No, we have to be selective. Learn how. And if you you start to deliberately develop the wisdom that helps you to make good decisions, you're going to be in better shape. So, So do not listen to people who have zero UX experience trying to give you tips. They don't know. They haven't grown in the discipline. They haven't done the work. They don't know what any of this stuff is like. Pass them by. Why do you have to stop? Because they said UX? Really? No, what if, if I get, tried to give you medical advice, would you take it? I, I would advise that you wouldn't. I'm not a doctor. There are other people that are trained, and you're more you're better off listening to them than to me. Even if I read a few articles, I'm not a doctor. I'm not licensed. I haven't taken a Hippocratic oath. And I might mean well, but it doesn't mean anything. So we need to be more selective with regard to what we pay attention to. Uh, Next example, there's a person uh, I I saw, a person had about roughly three years of experience, maybe a tad more. It still doesn't matter. The person had three years of experience. They have a master's degree from one of the most prestigious human-computer interaction programs in the United States. Uh, And then this person produced something that they referred to as the ultimate portfolio guy. And, and there's a couple things about this. Again, you didn't need a filter to spot that there was something wrong here. Uh, number one, never embrace hype. The word ultimate is a hype term. Here's a person with three to four years of experience with tens of thousands of practitioners in the market, a certain percentage of which has a great deal of experience, hiring managers, had a portfolio for years, know what it's like to build a proper portfolio. And But here's this person who has a tenth of the experience of some people telling you that they produce something that's ultimate? No, no. It's funny. Terms like that show up in wrestling, the ultimate warrior. That, no, no, that, that, that's a hype term. How is a person with four years, three to four years of experience claim, viably claim that they're offering you something that is an ultimate guide? And, and one of the things that even if people didn't catch that, because most people won't, if people didn't catch that, the other thing that, that stood out to me was when I saw the post. And it said, this is the ultimate portfolio guide. And even even though the, I I talked earlier about aesthetics being something a lot of people tend to gravitate towards when it comes to portfolios, um, even though we're we're not responsible for the aesthetics, we're not trying to sell ourselves on aesthetics, not if you're a real UX professional, it still doesn't mean that your portfolio should not be aesthetically pleasing. It should be. When I looked at this ultimate portfolio guide, 
the the screen, the very cover page had dithered graphics. It had poor choices of color. <laughs> so here's a person that would already is trying to sell you on something that they're not qualified to do. And then the very cover page lets you know that, I mean, if that's a sign, and some people say, well, don't judge a book by its cover. You know what? If the cover doesn't look good, a lot of people not go look inside. And, and that was a warning sign that something was wrong because the cover should have some type, it should be aesthetically pleasing to a degree uh, and so it doesn't provide a stumbling block to keep people from, from entering. So uh, just keep in mind, again, you have more of a filter than you think. You have more of an ability to gauge whether or not a resource should be viable or not. You know, the person I talk about a lot who was on Instagram, who who only had six months of experience, you find out because you go look up their, their profile on LinkedIn. You find out how long they've been doing the work. This person had, I don't even think it was six months of experience, if I remember correctly, but the person was was marketing herself as a mentor. And who are you mentoring with six months of experience, no college education, no, no business experience whatsoever? You do want to make some money, though. And that's the old snake oil sales mindset where you know that there's a demand tapping into the laws of economics. You know there's a demand, so you decide to get your piece of the pie and provide some of the supply for the demand. You don't care that you're not qualified, and the people that are going to buy from you, for the most part, they don't know you're not qualified, and you know more than them, and you know how to sling a few buzzwords around. So this is part of the problem today. And as a new UXer, you can overcome some of these misinformation pitfalls and scenarios where people want you to trust in them and they simply are not qualified enough to be in the position that they're trying to sell you on. So as we go into the home stretch, and I already talked about one, ignore the hype. The The ultimate portfolio guide is just one type of hype. When you see people telling you that you can learn about UX in six months, no, you can't. It's No, you can barely scratch the surface in six months of going through UX. So that is a hype-oriented statement. Hype, one of the definitions of the word hype has to do with deceit. So when people are giving you, they're hyping you on something, they're trying to fool you. The name of their game is to make money off of you, not to equip you. The name of their game is to make a name off of you, not to equip you. So beware of, of hype. When people talk about how many people that they've trained, what does that have to do with me? So that's just, it doesn't matter. And, and that's something that people use. You ever seen a movie or you see advertisement for a movie where they'll say, uh, oh, from the writers of. What does that have to do with the movie we're talking about going to see? It's a hype oriented move that tries to get you to trust in this new movie so they can try to make money on you out of the, at the box office. The fact that they wrote for another movie does not mean that this movie is going to be any good, nor is it a guarantee that you're going to enjoy it. So those are types of hype that we have to be be concerned about. So I don't care how many people you helped in UX. And I've seen a situation before where there was person claimed that they helped so many people in UX. Well, if that person helped so many people, why are we in the state we're in? 
I would think that if a certain people helped as many people as they claim to have helped, uh, that the discipline wouldn't be in the state that it's in. So apparently, I'm not saying the person did not connect with or interact with X number of people, but he obviously didn't have the appropriate impact because you can tell by the way that the types of things we're dealing with out here today. And I'll, I'll leave that there. When somebody claims they can guarantee you a job, that is hype. That is time for you and for me to ignore whatever else is going to follow that empty promise. Doesn't make any sense. Another type of hype. Uh, people will say, we've got the best teachers. And so I've got a question for you. And this is all critical thinking. It's all a matter of critical thinking. And notice we're still not talking about the work, but we're talking about what it's going to take for you to be successful in UX. Who do you think really has the best teachers today? Stop and think about it for a minute. If I had some some whole music or some Jeopardy music, I would play it right now. Who do you think really has the best teachers? The universities do. And it goes, it, 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 it sort of drills down from there. The universities do. Uh, then, then after the universities, the high schools are going to do it. Uh, and, and you have some other types of programs where you have some good teachers. But my point is this, when somebody tells you that they have the best teachers, are they really expecting you to go and, ev- and evaluate that or investigate that? No, they, they know you're not. So they say whatever they want to say, cause you're not going to, you're not going to hold them accountable for what they said anyway. And, and the people who tell you they've got the best teachers many times, if not most times are hiring people who just graduated from their program a week or two before and having them teach. So it's impossible for somebody who graduated a program. This is really common at boot camps to graduate a, a, a boot camp or whatever it is and to start teaching the very next week, having no experience, having no ability to guide you with regard to your career. I, I had an interaction with a boot camp teacher about two weeks ago. And that person said that it is impossible, show you what you're getting into when, you, when you're dealing with these kinds of uh, faux teachers, if you will. The person said it is impossible to present a realistic scenario, realistic context was the actual term. It's impossible to present realistic context when you're teaching someone. That is one of the most ridiculously false statements I have ever heard in my life. Proper learning experiences includes context. I mean, going all the way back to the fourth grade when they said Jimmy has two apples and and Tammy has three apples. How many apples do, do Jimmy and Tammy have? That's context in and of itself. I know it's very rudimentary, but I'm, and I'm using this rudimentary example just to show you that context is provided. So I don't know if that person doesn't know what context is, but I know that as a person who has been involved in education for actually about 40 years, that you always provide context. I have five instructional design certifications. I know how to train people. I know the science of education and we conduct needs analyses and task analyses so we can build context to help optimize the user experience. If that person says that you can't do it, that means he's not doing it or he flat out doesn't know what context is. So 
the best teachers are at the university level. When somebody tells you they have the best teachers, they're basically telling you that they don't. And so now you have a decision to make. No, Only some universities tell you they say that they have the, the best professors, and that's their estimation. They don't even know that when they say it, but they're speaking to the effort that they put into hiring the best people that they can to teach in their in their programs. That's really what that statement is making. Nobody knows who has the best teachers. So when people, but when people who are not in higher learning say that, that's a ruse. It's nothing more than hype. And so they are trying to deceive you in the name of profit. So you need to be careful with that. Last two. One is a trait. The last one is your takeaway. Next, there's got to be some humility. That's one of the things that I rarely see, or it, 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 you see it uh, far and few between with people today who are new in UX. Folks don't want to, they don't know what they don't know, but they don't want you to tell them what they don't know. And, and there's a lot of people that buy into what we call the boogeyman hype, where I there was somebody I interacted with on LinkedIn recently who said that, hey, they said, why is it that so many seniors that they they rag on boot camps, but then when you ask them what to do, they don't have anything to say. They don't have any recommendations. I've been giving recommendations for a while. Some And number one, a bunch of the people who say they're seniors are not. Uh, people who graduated from boot camps uh, actually uh, rail on the boot camps. So it's not just seniors that are calling out the boot camps. People who graduated who found out that they were sold a bag of goods, uh, they're the one, they're also, their voices are becoming louder and sounding off about the improprieties associated with boot camps. So the question was a bit misdirected. Uh, and that person, I gave that person an answer as, and as people who troll do, when you provide an answer, they never come back and deal with it. They don't come back and thank you for it. They don't come back and say, oh yeah, you were right. They just disappear in the thin air, you know, and it's the people with this boogeyman mentality. So make sure that you have the humility. You don't know. None of us did when we were getting started. And we were all, because we had the right attitude, because we had the right passion, because we had a love for what we were getting ourselves into, because we had a willingness to learn, humility is connected to those things. And it causes us to be in a frame of mind that when we find out, when we learn something that we don't know, we're grateful for it. And then we do everything we can to submit our acumen to root and ground ourselves in that thing. So it's really critical to have the humility today. Uh, matter of fact, it makes me think about when people again ask, what can I do to set myself apart? How about being humble? There's one thing that, that if somebody compares you to somebody else, you'll stick out like a sore thumb with that in a good way because a lot of these people, they're not humble at all. Uh, matter of fact, I, it's amazing how often I come across new UXers, and I've seen it happen to other people too. You come across a new UXer and they will stand toe-to-toe with you and want to debate about things that really they don't have any firsthand knowledge about. They're supposed to be getting a download from and standing on the shoulders of people like me, but they'd rather sit and argue with us and tell us what we don't know. That's a sign of a person who's not going to go very far or a person who's going to need to wake up worst case scenario or best case scenario. The person is going to 
have to wake up because, and I've seen people who've been there too and say, you know what, man, I used to, I'm so happy for those people. And a lot of those people, they're doing fantastic today, but they had to revisit the world of humility and subscribe. And when they revisited the world of humility and subscribe, it vaulted them beyond their wildest dreams and the discipline. And, and everybody I know who has that testimony today thrives in UX. So you'll, again, you'll want to be humble. And then the last thing is um, for this time to give some key tips for new UXers is to make sure you take action. There are people who I cannot tell you how often I get messages every week in LinkedIn of people asking me questions about what they can do to learn more about UX, what they can do to help make themselves more qualified. And, and, and the thing is, new, US, new UXers ask the same questions all the time. And they don't just ask me. They'll ask 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 people. I have seen people ask me something and then go somewhere else. God only knows who they ask before they ask me. They, they go to other people and they ask the same exact questions and people give them the same exact answers. And, and after the, the, by the time they get to person 20 or 30 and they're still asking the same questions, it lets you know. And, and then you find out they have yet to act on anything that they've heard. Folks, the questions are the same. The average UX, new UXers are all asking the same three, four, five questions. They're getting the answers from people who know what they're talking about. And many of them are not doing what they've been instructed. If you want to excel, if you want to be a person who brings value, learn how to take action because that's what's going to drive the value wherever you get that first gig or your next gig, whatever it is, the willingness to take action, be a problem solver, get good at recognizing sound advice and move on it when you get it. And when you move on that advice and you start to see the benefits of it, other people are going to see the benefits too. And that's something that will not set you apart when it comes to the time that you apply. How about being set apart when you're just standing there drinking coffee? How about being a different animal when there is nothing going on with a job interview or anything of that sort? I'm, I'm not going to exhort people to be ready to stand apart in the interview. How about just standing apart, period? And that's going to get you a lot further than all of this standing apart at the interview. You know why? Picture this scenario as we begin to wrap up. You go to a meetup, in-person meetup. You're meeting UXers all over the place. In the midst of some of these conversations, you don't know who these people are. You're just meeting people. Some of them tell you what their position is, what company they're with. Some of them don't. That's about the way these things go, right? Your passion is on display. Your love for the discipline is undeniable. Your willingness to learn is manifesting itself. You understand and have expressed your desire about the commitment to lifelong learning. You are just bubbling over. And, and, and when you're doing this, you're not trying to look a particular way for anybody. Because truth be told, a lot of people trying to get UX jobs are nothing but a bunch of actors looking for a script. 
And if they don't get a script, they can't function. But when you have passion, when you love the discipline, when you're willing to learn, when you have a commitment to lifelong learning, when people see that you're humble and you're, you're ready to grow and you know that you don't know what you don't know and you 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 value other people who can, who can feed into your life and give you that information, people at this meetup see that. And guess where you get the job? Guess what becomes the, 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 the vehicle, if you will, by which you get a job? That meetup that you went to where you weren't applying for anything. You know how many times that's happened to me? <laughs> so it, it's, it's amazing. And the jobs that a lot of times the job you think you want is a job you ended up regretting that you ever got. So new UXers, Welcome to the journey. Don't buy the hype. It's everywhere. Don't buy into the hype. Strive to be as emotionally intelligent as you can. It will take you a long way and keep building for, for and towards excellence. You will never regret it. And when you do those things, that will set you apart. But again, not as you suppose. It'll set you apart genuinely and people who have authority and people who love folks who bring quality and bring value will see you and your passion will bring you before people the right way in ways that you will not regret. Those are my tips, my key tips for new UXers today. So we hope you got a lot out of that. Put it to work. Let me find, let me hear about how, how these things help you out, new, new UXers. I, I hear uh, people send me messages from time to time telling me how the podcast has impacted them. Uh, we look forward to hearing even more of these things because folks are trying to take advantage of new UXers and I, for one, don't appreciate it. Uh, it. It hurts the discipline. It also hurts the individuals who embrace the terrible advice that they get. So get picky, folks. Get picky. <laughs> so that is all the time we have for today. So uh, time to sign off. This is Darren Hood the host of The World of UX. Until next time, happy UXing, everybody. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.